Time to take a look at a new poll from Mario Canseco and research company here in Vancouver about professional sports, winners and losers in post-pandemic professional sports business. And of course, we're now coming out of the pandemic. We're in phase three. There is a distinct possibility the Lions and Whitecaps will have fans at BC Place before the end of the Whitecaps season. And as the CFL season begins for the Lions, where are they in in terms of public recognition. Mario Canseco is the grand fromage at Research Company, a frequent guest on this program, and always welcome to join us. Mario, good morning. Good morning, Sterling. Great to be here with you. Well, it's good to have you back, my friend. Uh, the Canucks, let's talk about the three big-name franchises in Vancouver, and then we'll talk about some of the junior franchises and that new one coming to Abbotsford for this season, too. But we're talking, of course, about the major uh, franchises, the Canucks of the NHL, the CFL's BC Lions, and uh, Major League Soccer's Vancouver Whitecaps. What was the phrasing of the question, Mario? Tell us how, how you asked this question about fan recognition. Well, we wanted to take a look at how Canadian, at how BC residents felt about uh, the sports franchises that are playing professionally here. And we've been asking this question for the past couple of years, uh, essentially trying to figure out um, how they feel about it when it comes to the uh, way they follow it. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting here, uh, when we look at the numbers, is that we have seen a little bit of a drop when it comes to the level of interest from people. So we asked them over the course of the past five years, would you say you have become more interested, are just as interested, or have become less interested in each of these sports teams? And the reality here is that we have roughly about one in four British Columbians uh, who say that they have have been paying uh, fewer attention to the five sports franchises that we tested. So um, definitely a little bit of a drop when you look at the numbers. Uh, But it's understandable because of the crazy uh, year and a half that we've had because of COVID-19. Exactly. I was just going to say, because uh, uh, recognition drops off when there isn't a lot to recognize around, right? And we've had, uh, no, at least we had Canucks games through a bizarre and, and rather dreadful season, but at least they had a season. Last summer, Mario, the CFL was non-existent, and the Whitecaps had a, a very compressed season, and so there wasn't a lot of opportunity for, for traction with either of those franchises locally, was there? Well, it's definitely more difficult to try to establish that emotional connection with the fans uh, when you're playing in a different country. I mean, that is the case right now with the Whitecaps that are playing out of Utah, uh, to a lesser extent with the Canadians who are playing in Oregon, uh, and the CFL didn't even have a season. So there's definitely that difficulty to try to connect with sports because of the way uh, that things have been developing. What is really quite striking about the data is um, it's men who are more likely to say they are losing interest. And we're expecting a situation where, you know, maybe women, middle-aged Canadians, we're not going to be as keen on sports. uh, But it's men who are essentially finding other ways uh, to keep busy and other things to be following, um, which is going to be crucial for when we actually return to sports. Are we going to be in a situation where, Uh, In the same way uh, that many people have become used to working from home, are you going Mm -hmm. to be now used to doing other things and not uh, buying tickets to the games or going to the bar or the pub to watch them? So definitely a challenge for the sports franchises in the foreseeable future. 
Interesting. By the way, when you were asking the survey and and asking people, do you retain the same degree of interest you had in the team a few years ago? And if they say no, did you uh, have an opportunity to find out what they're seeking out as alternatives? You're saying, for example, men, primarily the sports fans, certainly that the sports marketeers go after. If men are turning away to a certain extent from pro sports, Mario, where are they going? Well, one of the things that they've been telling us uh, throughout the course of the pandemic is uh, that they've been following other sports. Uh, We see it a little bit, and also because of the timing. A lot of people who are starting to follow soccer from Europe, uh, soccer from South America, or people who have started to just do their own thing. You know, we saw an increase in uh, the number of people, uh, both men and women, who took up walking, who took up running, who started to do certain activities that maybe they weren't doing when the pandemic started uh, because they were going to the gym or doing different things. So it's a bit of a conundrum in the sense that there's definitely uh, a a group that is looking forward to going back to the stadium and doing the same things they were doing again. We spoke a couple of weeks ago about how people would like to see a Major League Baseball franchise. So there's definitely some interest uh, from British Columbians about how things are, are going to go. Um, but it's too early to tell, you know, partly because we don't even know what's going to happen. You know, there are plans for the stadiums to be back with full people, full capacity. Um, but it's it's just too early right now to try to figure out what is going to be happening. And ultimately, also, people need to make some sacrifices. Uh, there's been an economic um, disruption when it comes to the pandemic. And maybe you're yes. no longer ready to dish out a couple of hundred dollars for a ticket and a couple of hot dogs. Well, and you know, that's another big part of it as, uh, for example, we're going to talk a little bit about the, the drop off in, in, uh, popularity of the BC lions, for example, the franchise used to be a very, very big part of the local sports scene. Uh, I think uh, we talked to Julio Carabetta on the show about this yesterday, Mario, and I referenced the fact that you and I would have this conversation today when we were talking about it yesterday. Uh, I see this for the Lions, who have had just dreadful marketing, they have lost the city. And part of it is nothing rhymes with orange and other equally absurd marketing schemes that just hit the did a face plant and did not resonate. Uh, they need to re-engage completely with the city. But here they are after a non-season, a year off, literally, and coming out of a pandemic, taking advantage, perhaps, Mario, of this well-identified pent-up demand with with skillful marketing and appropriate pricing. This is where I'm coming with the numbers. You were talking yeah. about a couple of hundred bucks for a hot dog and a, and a, and a seat. Uh, if, if they can come in with reasonable prices... Uh, and clever marketing, especially, as Julio says, going after those younger fans, do you think they stand a chance of turning the franchise around? Well, I think it's definitely necessary to try to expand on the type of uh, attendant that you have for the BC Lions games. For a long time, it has been primarily marketed to people over 45. And what is happening is that you have a lot of younger people, especially children, uh, who are growing into sports, who are starting to pay attention to things, and they are more likely to be enthralled by the NFL. Uh, the NFL, you can watch it at home. Uh, sure. It's definitely a different situation. Uh, there's people who go to Seattle to watch the Seahawks, and that's fine as, uh, as, as, as well. Um, but I think the major problem with the CFL is uh, they haven't been able to compete for the new fans. Uh, mm-hmm. What you have is a bunch of legacy fans 
people who maybe have been going to the games for 20, 30 years, sure. they like it. They, they definitely will come back because they're hardcore fans. Uh, but it's difficult to try to build a franchise in a world like this one where you have the ability to watch anywhere, anything that you want, anywhere in the world. Um, how can you entice younger Canadians, younger British Columbians, uh, that the CFL is the place to be. And, and I think that is going to be one of the biggest challenges for the franchise. Even before we had COVID-19, we went through the situation of the BC Lions essentially saying, we're not going to allow anybody in the upper bowl because we're not going to use it. So that's right. there's definitely a lot of stuff that they need to think about. Um, now, because of the pandemic, it's a little bit easier. You know, your, your, your base in a way, and, and I would say this is one of the blessings of the situation that they're facing, uh, your base has already been vaccinated. You know, you can mm-hmm. essentially allow them all to go there because most of them have been fully vaccinated by now. That's right. And and the good news is, as at least as it stands so far, what appears to be the directive from Dr. Henry and public health is that when they are, uh, their first home game will be on the 19th of August against the Edmonton Elks. Uh, and uh, that they're expecting 26,000 capacity in the lower bowl. If we're allowed 50% of the room, 13,000 people, they should have 13,000 people in that room for that opening game. And again, Mario, it's about pricing and, and making people, uh, making the uh, the idea attractive of going to a game. And again, they have pent up demand on their side. I need to take a quick break. Uh, can I get you to stick around? I want to talk about another poll that you've done about U.S. popularity. Are you good for that or do you have to go? Oh, gladly. Definitely. I'll I'll stay. Okay. Now, I know you're also a sports fan. So just before we take the break at noon, Vancouver time, (laughs) you were talking about you were talking about the big game. It's England, Italy from Wembley. Who are you cheering for today? I think Italy is going to win this. Uh, I see it as a a much more uh, effective team when it comes to scoring. And uh, I think it's going to be very difficult, but I believe Italy will win 1-0. And Chiro Immobile, who has been mercilessly criticized, uh, will be the hero. I want to turn, though, to a poll that you just released the other day. Uh, and, and, and the first line is, for the first time in two years, half of Canadians hold a favorable opinion of the United States. So uh, this is a national survey that you've done in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so tell us about your findings, please, about the neighbors to the south. Well, we ask this question every six months uh, to try to make sense of how Canadians might feel about other countries. We have a list of 15 countries that we use. And usually you have a fluctuation of about a couple of points here or there. Uh, The numbers are usually very high for uh, the European G7 nations, France, Italy, United Kingdom, or 73% Mm -hmm. this this, uh, month. Um, But what's really striking is what's been happening with the United States. When we asked this question back in July of last year, we only had 32% of Canadians with a favorable view of the United States. Now, What is the moment that we're going through when we're asking that question? The middle of the electoral campaign, a lot of people in Canada who were dissatisfied with the fact that Donald Trump was the president and also the fact that they weren't dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic as effectively as we were. So we go from 32 percent last year to 50 percent this year and an 18 point increase, um, partly because COVID is no longer as rampant as it was a year ago. And there's also somebody else at the White House called Joe Biden. So interesting. So it is a combination. It's not just about Biden, Trump. It has it uh, the the management of the pandemic also has played into our opinion of the next door neighbors. It definitely has, because we were following uh, stories related to the United States 
certainly more closely over the past couple of years uh, because of the election of Donald Trump and also because of the campaign. Um, we're no longer paying that much attention to things, but also the way in which we've been covering the COVID-19 pandemic is a little bit different. Now we start to see some differences in the United States, which can be definitely political. You know, you look at the vaccination rates in states that are um, managed by Republican governors, and they're yes. definitely not as high as they are in places where the Democrats are calling the shots. So it's a combination of things, um, but it's quite remarkable because we rarely see this type of situation where you start to grow so much from one year to the next. Um, you know, the, the numbers are fairly stable for the rest of the country that we tested. Um, the, the one thing that really jumped out of the page for me was Quebec. You know, we had a situation in Quebec a year ago, even six months ago, where they weren't really uh, looking at the United States in a very positive light. And now right. they are more likely to do this and to feel this way than anybody else in the country. So there's something about Quebec, their feeling about the United States, certainly in a very different fashion than they were a year ago. Interesting. So if Quebec is the province most favorably inclined these days towards the United States and our American neighbors, which province is the least favorably inclined? Well, the numbers are lowest here in British Columbia at 42%. Okay. Uh, also very close is Atlantic Canada at 43%. Um, this has been consistent in BC for the past uh, couple of years. You know, when I started asking about even the possibility of Donald Trump becoming the Republican candidate, the numbers for Donald Trump or for the idea of Donald Trump becoming president were always lowest in BC. So I think part of the problem that we see with the numbers here in British Columbia is um, we're really uh, starting to climb upwards because of Joe Biden from a very, very low number. You know, we essentially had a favorability rating for Donald Trump that was uh, closer to 15 or, or 16 percent. So you have those negative views and it takes a little bit of time for them to to start to change. But, you know, to go from those very low numbers to 42 percent certainly shows some momentum and maybe something to look forward to six months from now. Interesting. And as you pulled the these Canadians uh, from coast to coast on our favorability, uh, how disposed favorably disposed we are to these countries, was China on the list? And if so, what reaction did you receive? China has been one of the lowest ranked countries since we started asking. Uh, this time around, there's 21 percent of Canadians who have a favorable view of China. This is up from 19 percent six months ago. Um, definitely lower than the first time we asked, uh, when it was closer to the level that we see right now for Russia or for Venezuela, which is closer to 30%. Now it's uh, lingering at the bottom, uh, very near the numbers that we get for countries that have been uh, universally derided by Canadians, right. such as Iran or North Korea. Mm -hmm. um, what is changing this? You know, Part of it is, has been uh, the Meng Wanzhou trial, um, the discussions about the uh, illegal detention of the two Canadians who are right now in China. Uh, people have been paying attention to this. And uh, there's really not been a, a major change, even though we've seen a lot of different statements coming out of the Chinese government related to this. Uh, even when, when we asked about the, the Beijing Winter Olympics just a few months ago, um, most Canadians thought it would be a good idea to boycott it uh, because of the human rights situation in China. So right. uh, we've seen the numbers shift for the United States. Um, definitely not the same situation when it comes to China.
As they deserve. No kidding. Mario, thanks for this. Always a pleasure to to take a few moments, especially on the weekend when we have a few extra moments, to just take the pulse of British Columbia and catch up with ourselves. Thank you for the opportunity again today. My pleasure, Sterling. Anytime. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.